It's really cool to be here with you today. Um, I mean that. Like, uh, it's, it's nuts, you know, the world is a, it's a tough place, a lot goes on. And uh, to be, to have a, a place where we can gather and be together and know um, that we are loved and that we do love uh, is a special thing. And so I'm, I'm really pleased that we're all here today. Thank you for being here. And of course, um, the Vought family with uh, Brooks, thanks for coming and having him share with us. That was really special. Um, if you've been with us any length of time, you know that uh, we had a couple of detours last couple of weeks. But in general, we've been on a, a series on heaven. Um, heaven's a very strange thing for a lot of people because we just sort of assume that it's like, you know, out there and it's like a bright light and you can fly. Uh, and that's pretty much, if we think anything at all about heaven, that's what we think. And what we found in this series is that scripture is actually just filled with all kinds of descriptions about the next life. And that's just, I mean, the, our general conceptions are really wacky. In fact, heaven uh, is a, it's a very physical, real place. It's a place that has like... Um, that, that has like a government and a city and an economy. It's like a, there, there's a real life, that human life that we live there. We even saw that heaven um, has royalty, uh, kings and queens and prince and princesses. Uh, I think one of those monarchs just got married or something in England. Heard something about that. Uh, not, a, not as big a deal as it used to be. Um, but but, but sir, that's not heaven. Heaven's not like you inherit um, your position uh, and then you just get to be a prince for life. Actually, uh, what we found is that Scripture says that people who live particular kinds of lives become the kings and queens and prince and princesses of heaven. That um, there's things called crowns. And crowns probably aren't literally crowns, but it, it's sort of like a mark or a recognition that this is the kind of person who did well in life and has now, because of their conduct, been elevated and has a special experience of heaven. We've been very careful to say that it's not like you're working your way into heaven. That's not the case. Heaven is only accessible through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and, but once that's happened, once you've become a Christian, you have the opportunity by the way that you live um, to achieve and to, and to live uh, a better type of life in heaven. Today we're going to uh, end this series. Uh, we'll, this will be the last of the, of the content. Next week we'll wrap up uh, our series on heaven, Closer Than You Know. This week is called The Shepherd's Crown. Um, if you're new to the church or you haven't been in church a lot, uh, you may walk in here and you may be like, who's running this place? Because whoever it is, they really need to update the color scheme. Like, this is, this is rough here. These, these pews, they, uh, whew. Who's in charge? Who's in charge of the, of the pew, uh, colors? Because they're dropping the ball, you know? Who's in charge of the carpet? I get it. We get it. And so you might be wondering, who's in charge here? Who's running the show? And then, if you stick around long enough, if you're in a person who maybe hasn't been in church too long, but, but then you start to stick around, you start to recognize that church, uh, like everything, is like every uh, human community and institution, is filled with people, and is therefore totally nuts and crazy and insane. You might visit churches that look like they have it all together, they're very glossy, they're very professional, but if you stick around, even the most professional glossy churches, and you scratch away the surface, you start to realize that because people are involved, it's a total disaster. And so you might ask yourself at some point, who's running this place and why would anyone want that job? Uh, today, I, I, I'm, I hope we can open, answer that question. And moreover, I hope not only can we answer that question, but I hope that we can be encouraged, inspired maybe, to see that the way God envisions running the church is actually something that's not, that, that's not, it's not my job. 
Yes, I can duck that responsibility. In fact, it might be, uh, in some respects, all of our jobs. And so um, let's, let's, let's journey through the scripture together and keep that in the back of your mind. Who's running this place and why would anyone want to do it? Uh, this is from 1 Peter. If you don't know, Peter was um, an apostle of Jesus. He knew Jesus, lived with Jesus. Um, was, uh, he kind of helped run the church after Jesus left. He's writing this letter to um, all the Christians who are starting to get persecuted and beat up. Christians were not popular in the early Roman Empire. Uh, they, were, they were thought of as, as weird, and, and, and so they were harassed pretty frequently. And this is one of the things that Peter says uh, to a harassed people. He says, therefore, I have a request for the elders among you. I ask this as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. I saw Jesus suffer, okay? I know what it was like. And as one who shares in the glory that is about to be revealed, like shepherds, tend the flock of God among you. Watch over it. Don't shepherd because you have to, but voluntarily for God. Not for opportunities for graft, but freely. Don't lord it over those entrusted to your care, but become examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. If you uh, check on your pew Bible, that's the New King James. I- I've adapted this translation. Um, the Peter actually writes in a pretty elevated Greek style. Uh, and as a result, he, um, he his sentences are very long and confusing in English. So I've broken it down. If you, if you see your, your pew Bible, it's going to be um, much a little harder to follow. I've really just tried to be as close to an, uh, what it would sound like to somebody who fluently spoke, spoke Greek for our ears. So that's all I've done is I've just updated um, the, the language and, and, and kind of messed with the syntax so that it feels and hears the way um, that it would have heard in the first century. Interesting. Uh, let's take a look at this, this, this language. Elders. Elders among you. I ask this as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. If you're not, you know, frequently in church, or you don't have a church background, when you hear the word elder, you probably think of old people, like the elderly. That's interesting, because people who've been in church for a long time actually hear something much different when they hear the word elder. If uh, you've been in the church for a long time, you hear the word elder, you typically think of someone who's in charge of the church. Someone who's, especially if you've been in this congregation for a long time, someone who has a specific job, they've been elected, uh, they've been, uh, they, they had a, to go, there's a, we do a cool thing where we force um, our, uh, our elders to go through a, a test in front of the congregation, where the congregation can ask any question they want about God, the Bible, anything, and the elder, and the elder, the would-be elder has to like answer it, sweating bullets, you know, stressed out of their minds. Um, it's, it, I did it, it's a lot of fun. But that's what you might think of. You might think of like an elected position or something like that. I want to suggest, um, though, that, that, that there is that use of this term. Uh, in fact, if you know the Presbyterian Church, this is the Greek for presbyteros. That's where they get their name, um, elder. But it, it's, not, it's not something that... that it, there are places where it's talking about official church positions. I don't think this is one of them. And the reason for that is because the way that this word gets used throughout the Bible is much different. And I want to show you that. Um, this is, I have a couple texts here. There's an extra one on the back of your note sheets. This is from uh, the Old Testament Joshua. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, that is the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger, you might say immigrant or alien, as well as he was born among them. One of the things that's interesting about this text is that you'll notice that, that we're not just naming out people who have specific jobs. 
Okay, this is not just officers. Um, there, there's lot, like immigrants. That's just a class of people. Uh, people who were born among them, like native Israelites. That's just a class of people. Um, we do have some people who have very specific jobs: officers, judges, and priests. Um, and we also have this term, elders, uh, pres- presbyteros. Um, in the ancient world, uh, and you can see this a little bit if you kind of look at like more traditional cultures. Especially in smaller communities. Remember, uh, you know, in the ancient world, they, they didn't live in like these huge cities of 500,000 people. Um, most of the time you lived in a town of like thousands of people, maybe 10,000 people, but, but not much more than that ever. Uh, if you've ever been in a community like that or you've been a part of a smaller town, uh, you, you know that, that it, smaller towns operate differently than we operate. And we talked a little bit about this last week. In smaller towns, uh, there's kind of like a network of people who know people, right? And so when you enter into a smaller town, especially in more traditional cultures, you're like, if you want to kind of find your place in this town, if you want to get to know people, then you, you, you locate some key individuals, Right? Key individuals. Sometimes they have official positions in the town, like mayor. Other times they might be like, you know, connected business people. Um, a social butterfly would be an example, like a, you know, a, a lady who's just like in and out and knows everything that's going on. If you get to know these people, then you kind of have access to everything that's going on in the community, right? And what's interesting, too, is you start to notice that in, in smaller towns and more traditional communities, not only are there people who kind of are in the know— but there also are sort of people who sort of informally kind of, of kind of have influence and power in the way that things work, right? Typically, it's uh, someone, people who've done well in business, who are a little wealthier, usually patrons are people like this. Um, again, people who are well known for their, you know, good judgment, for example. They just, they sort of, it's, it's not, it's not like there's a process where the town gets together and goes, who are the, who are the wise people here? That doesn't happen. It's just kind of known because everybody knows everybody. And as a result, everybody kind of gets a sense for who is the sort of person who has influence, who's the sort of person who's wise. Um, more traditional cultures get this really well. When I was teaching in Japan, um, one time, well, not many times, if I ever had anything I needed from my class, um, I would just ask a question, and, and they knew exactly what to do. So, if I said something like this, who here um, is best at English? Right? Uh, I was an English teacher in Japan. And uh, what would happen then is that there would be a moment of silence. And then with no, no one talking, whispering, anything, every student in the class would point at Sakie. Like just, Sakie is your girl. She's our English master. Okay? Uh, so, hey, um, I need to know the rules for um, baseball. Can someone teach me those rules? Again, silence. And then, Hideki. Everybody knows Hideki knows baseball. There's a, a sense of, of, of community in a small village. I was in a small village where, um, where people are known for their gifts and abilities. And this is something that's like, it's just, it's just natural. It doesn't, it's not, it's not like some official thing. And, and likewise, uh, in, in Israel, the elders were people like this. Um, in fact, literally the words like old dudes. Um, and, and you can see how that might happen. You, you, people are around for a long time. Then certain old guys are kind of known for what they do. Here's another example. This is in uh, First Kings. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel. Now elders of Israel does not mean the heads of the tribes, the chiefs of the, of, of, of the different um, groups. Of, no, it's just the, the older people who are kind of known for their ability to have wisdom, insight, influence, etc. 
And so that's the first thing in your note sheets. In the Bible, elder is more like a mark of influence and experience than a position or job. This is important because I don't want us to think, we're we're reading this text and suddenly we hear the word elder and we're like, ah, thank goodness I don't have to, I checked out. Those of you who are sleeping because you're like, oh, this is about the people who run the church, you don't get to check out. You don't get to just fall asleep and and just, and and, and no. Because really, elder is actually a pretty, for the most part, open possibility. A lot of people can be this kind of elder. There are places in the Bible that talk about official positions. This ain't one of them. This is just people in the community who are known for having influence and experience. Let's look at the text. What do elders do? Like shepherds tend the flock of God among you, watch over it. I'm not supposed to uh, talk about rated R movies because people then think that I'm a sinner um, because I may have seen a rated R movie in my time. Uh, I'm not going to say whether or not I've seen it, but I've heard about a movie called American Sniper. Apparently this is a Clint Eastwood-directed film starring Bradley Cooper celebrating somebody who apparently killed the most people. Um, I guess he was the best at sniping. I think it was Kyle, I think. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about all that, but I do know that there's this interesting uh, quote at the very beginning of the movie. Um, it's not something we know that um, Kyle actually wrote. It, there's a lieutenant colonel who did it, but it goes like this. It says, um, there's three types of people in the world. There are the sheep who mind their own business. There are the wolves who eat the sheep. And there are the sheepdogs who protect the sheep from the wolves. I want to be a sheepdog. We have, uh, yeah. That dude's about to have a great day. <laughs> That's the look you get right before you're like, this is awesome. Uh, but 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 that's that's only if we don't have this guy. I don't know how threatening that dog looks. If I were a wolf, I'd be like, he's easy meat. You can tell that's, that that dog is like just a happy dog. It's not a. But presumably, presumably, uh, there this dog is tr- specially trained so that if the pack of wolves come out, he uh, I don't know does whatever sheep dogs do uh, to protect the uh, the sheep which is a thing I don't know anything about, but I imagine that it's true because I've heard about it. Um, so that's what, that's, yeah. did you hear the language? Tend the flock, shepherds, elders, like a shepherd, watch over it. Be a sheepdog. Uh, in the ancient world, um, it wasn't, uh, there's a lot of different things that could happen, especially, uh, you know, Peter, remember I told you, Peter's talking to people who are under threat. These are people who are being harassed. Well, one of the things that happens when you get harassed is that people don't just come after you like to tell you lies or whatever. They also literally try to beat you up and take your business away. One of the things that Peter is saying is he's saying, I'm looking for some folks who can actually help out those who are being harassed and are losing money because of their faith. I want people who are like watching over the flock to make sure that that doesn't happen. So those people aren't kicked out and lost. There is that element of physical um, danger that people experience. And he's saying we need some people to watch over that. We need some some sheepdogs. Likewise, there are people who come to the church and they're like, hey, 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 you guys are doing it all wrong. Let me tell you the truth, the true truth. 
There need to be people in the congregation who can sniff out a wolf and know that lies are being told, that this isn't somebody who actually knows the scriptures. This isn't someone who actually knew Jesus. Remember, Peter says, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fellow elder. I saw Jesus suffering, okay? I'm the kind of guy you can trust to make sure that what you're hearing, what you're learning, what you're knowing is the real deal. It's true truth, not what some wolf is coming in to, to, to get you with. Peter's saying what we need in the church are, are people that they, we don't have to like give them a title, but we just need to know that they're out there, that they're protecting us physically and spiritually. It's the next thing in your note sheets. Elders protect the church from spiritual and physical danger. I mean, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't love uh, talking about uh, violence, but um, yeah, that's a real thing. You know, we we actually have to be thoughtful about how we protect our physical you know there's too many stories of some nut job coming in and shooting up a church there really is a real place for people who are who want to be sheepdogs who can protect us that's an important thing that's a special thing and you don't have to you know no one has to give you a deputy badge to do it there are it's real we we have people who um lose jobs. We have people who are out of work, who are, who are just really suffering, need to take time away because they're, they're just too, they have too much going on in their lives, and it can hurt them economically. We need to have people who are looking out and saying, I can help. I can make sure that you're going to be okay. This is one of the things I absolutely love is when someone in the congregation is having um, you know, just a tough time, and uh, I love being able to say to them, to like look them in the eye and be like, listen to me. You do what you need to do. We're going to take care of you. Now, I can't say that on my own accord. I can't say that because I can do something for you. Oh, you need to take six weeks off of work because you need to get your head sorted out. I can't personally help you. But, that's, but the good news is I know I have elders, people in this congregation who will look out for you, who will go after and make sure that you're okay because they understand their job as sheepdogs. What else do elders do? Tend the flock. Don't shepherd because you must, but voluntarily for God. Not for opportunities for graft, but freely. I've updated the language. The New King James, uh, you know, not for dishonest gain. I'd say opportunities for graft. I think that's a little more, hits a little more home where we are in our culture. Don't shepherd because you must, but voluntarily. What's going on here? Well, there's two types of people with, um, you know, who are influential and have experience. There are those uh, who really love uh, the people of God and want to care for them. And there are the rest of us who are like, just leave me alone. Like, I don't want to be involved in this. There are people, probably sitting here, who have tons of gifts, tons of opportunities where you could go and you could, you could take care uh, of the flock. But you're like, ah, that seems like a lot. You know, I, the, again, the cheap, the, the cheap, easy thing is to say, oh, just buckle, buck up, kiddo, just work harder. You know, there's a reason why um, you probably don't want to get involved in people's lives. One of the reasons is that you're exhausted. You live in a culture that's um, absolutely insane with keeping you busy, 
demanding your time and your energy, saying, if you don't do this, 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 and this, you're not a good parent. If you don't do this, 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 and this, you're not a good citizen. If you don't do this, 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 and this, you're not. And, and by the end of it all, just trying to take care of you and yours, you're, you're flat out, I'm done. And then the leader guy's like, get to work. Help the congregation. Be an influential and experienced person who cares for people. And you're like, dude, I just kind of want to take a nap. I feel you. I get that. I don't think that the um, solution is for you to just grind it out. Um, I think that maybe the solution involves something more along the lines of re-evaluating as a community what our lives look like here in South Orange County. How crazy they are. And rethinking what it looks like to be able to have like an actual like, you know, healthy experience of life so that, so that we can actually come on Sunday. It's not, we're not like, oh, I made it to church. I win. Instead, it's like, oh, I love church. I love being a part of this place. I love these people. This is a true fact, man. You, you, can't, you can't love people when you're just exhausted all the time. They're going to bother you more. It's like trying to be nice to your spouse when you're hungry. It's like, that's just not going to happen. Give me a Snickers, and then let's talk about this. Similarly, if you want, if you desire, if you would like to be um, a, a, a person of influence and experience who, who's a part of the church, you have to have the rest of your life kind of like, there's no such thing as retirement. Once you don't have to work anymore or work less, that's when I get you. You're mine. Oh, I know. Dave Bacon's like, no way, dude. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm just chilling. No, you're not. That's not how this works. No, man, once you, once, no, because now you have a little bit more than you've got these families that are like trying to grind it out. You know, and they're like sweating and bleeding and they're trying to raise kids and they're doing that. They're working 90 hours a week. It's like, oh, work harder. Like, no, I can't. But Dave Bacon's chilling. He's like, oh, man, another day where I can sit and watch TV all day. No! No, man. Now is when you are freed up to be one of these people who can, can have influence and experience. It is interesting. It's interesting that that word literally does mean old guys. It's the old guys. It's the ones who really do have a little more freedom, usually, usually, to help out. Not for opportunities for graft, but freely. Mm. You know, let's see, back to the ancient world, right? You're like, there's a small community of people. You get in, you're looking to make a quick buck. You kind of want to be one of these people who's sort of got some influence and experience. Because then you have the opportunity to make some connections with some folks, and you can start to make some business deals. It's a really good deal for you. Peter's like, that's not the kind of person we want. I want you here because you love these folks. Some of my favorite um, elders that I would think of as this type of elder, not an official elder, but kind of just a every person elder. Uh, I teach um, classes uh, at seminary, and I have this student who, um, <laughs> he keeps taking my classes, which is fun, because I like him. Uh, he can't write, and he can't think, but he, his heart's in the right place, and I love him. Uh, this guy, this guy, he, um, he was a Hollywood producer. He produced uh, a TV series called Mortal Kombat, based on a video game. Um, yeah, and uh, 
And so he had this life in Hollywood, and he got to a point where he, personally, I was like, why would you go to seminary? Like, dude, you're in the middle of it, right? Like, Hollywood, the coolest, man. You get to rub elbows with celebrities and do all that stuff. That sounds so neat to me. I mean, I would love to, you know, be a part of that. He's like, oh, no, man. Once you've been here for like 10 years, it, it's like there's this, this goop on you. It's like a stain, and you just want to wring it out because this place is so dark. He was like, when I was um, working in the industry, what I found was I was looking forward to one day more than any other, and that was Sunday, because I finally got to go to a place where things weren't wrecked and weren't broken and destroyed, where there were at least some people who were like trying to do it different. There was a, there was a hope and a, re, a re, regeneration, like a chance for, for, for change. I, I, I was so soaked in, in, in that I, I came to think about church as like the place that... Um, were the people that I loved. That's who I wanted to be with. He's like, and yeah, it's not a bad deal that I made, you know, $15 million in Hollywood and I don't have to work for the rest of my life. That's a good deal. But here's the thing. I want to be a part of the church because I love these people. I want to care for them now. I'm taking your classes so I can get this degree so I can start to give back after all the years where I needed them to give me hope. I want it to be free of charge. And I have the opportunity to make that happen. The next thing uh, in your note sheets, elders care for the physical and spiritual needs of the people. And really, we might even want to say, just care for the people. They just love the people. They're here because they love the people, not because they want to make a buck. The last thing about elders in this text Tend the flock. How? Don't lord it over those entrusted to your care, but become examples to the flock. This type of elder is not uh, the type of elder um, that's like an official position in the church. And, and, and those, we do talk about that elsewhere in the New Testament. That's where like real leadership, like this is where the church is going to go. That is the job of official, like voted on elders. But for just the every man elder, the, the, just the people of influence and experience, for the every person elder, what, what happens is you, because you have this influence and this experience, you will have the opportunity to run people's lives. In fact, some people will, will want you to do that. They'll be like, tell me how to live. What Peter says instead is, and really I think this comes from his saying earlier, you know, I, I witnessed Jesus. He says, I, you know, we're not, we're not going to oppress people. We're not going to get a whole long list of how they're supposed to order their lives and stick it to them until they're miserable. That's not how this is going to work. By the way, that's super effective. Uh, if you want people to, um, you know, conform, then yeah, you should uh, lord it over them and oppress them. And, and, and there are places that you can go where people will do that. But that's not what Peter wanted. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus died for you. Jesus, the word sufferings, martyrdom. Jesus was martyred for you. Jesus was an icon, an example of what life is supposed to look like. Elders, you're not here, people of influence and experience, you're not here to, to give a list of demands to, that, to crush people and explain to them how they ought to live their lives. Instead, you're simply supposed to look the way that Jesus looked.
And I mean, isn't that really the kind of influence that, that sticks in people? We live in a culture where there are no more heroes. Now we assume that anybody that we see on TV or in the news is a scumbag. Kids these days, I mean, who do they look up to? We're at a crisis point in our culture. I mean, I, I just can't believe um, that all the, say, for, take it for example, the shootings in schools. I mean, I, I, from what I understand, statistically speaking, almost every single one of these kids comes from a broken home. They, they have, you know, they have no one that they can look and say, that person lived it. That person is beckoning me along. They didn't have mentors. They don't have people who are showing them how it's done. And I'm telling you, man, it is ripping our culture apart when people don't have someone to look up. They don't have heroes anymore. One of the reasons that Peter thinks of elders typically as older people, people who are a little bit uh, further on, is that they're the people who you can, they, they've lived it out and they've done it. And they're there in public, in the community, so that all the younger folks, all the kids and all the, the people who are new to the community, they can look and say, that's somebody who's got it. And look how, they, how they, they live their lives. They're not out there to crush me. They're not out to judge me. They're not out to change me. They're simply living the way Jesus lived. And, and I can see that's who I want to be. Every single person here who is mature in the faith can be a hero to somebody who's not. You can be an elder like this. In your note sheets, uh, we have elders lead the flock by example as servants. When you... um. And you kind of go back to the text and you, and you just sort of take, like, the, take stock of everything that's going on here. We ask, that who runs this place and why would anyone want to do that? Well, interestingly, this place is run basically by people who have been here for a while and who have influence and experience. They, um, they protect and they care and they lead uh, by example. And for those people, any, anybody who lives that way, guess what? When the chief shepherd, that should be capitalized, I don't know why it's not. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. There is a special place in heaven for those of you who take care of the people of the church. And you don't have to have an ordination to do it. You don't have to have a job title. You don't have, all you have to do is protect, care, and lead. If you protect, care, and lead, this crown is yours. You will be glorified in heaven for all of eternity because you were the person who, who stepped up to the plate and said, I know these people need me and I'm going to be there for them. And that's the uh, last thing your note sheets. Everyone, everyone who protects, cares, and leads by example can expect the shepherd's crown. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Right, so where does that leave me? Well, I have some ideas here. Uh, just thought a few, a few thoughts, a few thoughts. Uh, Shepherd's Crown at Coast. Uh, the first is, um, Coast is a place where a kid can be a kid. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. What do I mean by that? Uh, well, so this, 
presumably is talking primarily about older people, right? You know, older people. People who've been around for a while. But, but guess what? If you're new to the faith, or you're not even a Christian at all, or you're curious, or you're kind of on the outskirts, but you're thinking about getting guess what? You can just be you. You don't have to do more than that right now. You're a kid in, in Christianity. You can remain a child for a while, not forever. But you can be a kid for a while. You, for, for you, you know, one of the things that all you really need to do is you need to just get to know some of us. Get to know some of the people with influence and experience. Just get to know them and see if, if, if their lives really are worth following. See if they really are the kinds of people you want to be like. Just kind of just check it out. Think it, think, just see if it's good. And, and, and then maybe you'll be able to move forward. But you are not required to be whatever you're not right now. So don't, don't think that you are. Second, elders versus elders. As I've alluded to a number of times in this sermon... We are governed by a board of elders uh, because a nonprofit in the United States of America, or at least in the state of California, has to be governed by a board of directors. So we have doubled that with the, the elders, sort of uh, from other places, Titus, First and Second Timothy, and the New Testament. Um, there are a, a small group of people in this church who are specifically tasked with um, leading and protecting. Um, and I just was ripping in to Dave, who's our chair, the chairman of our elder board earlier, uh, just for fun. It was all good, all in good fun. Um, do not, if you are not on that board, do not assume that this is not for you. Wrong! There's lots you can do. There's lots of ways that you can lead and protect and care. However, if you're on that board, and I fought, I fought. I was like, I don't want to be an elder. It seems like too much responsibility. But apparently in our constitution it says I have to be. So I have been perp-walked into eldership at Coast Bible Church. But if you are on that board, I do believe that you probably have a special responsibility to be a member of the um, protecting, caring, uh, leading community. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, and elders will we'll talk about it more in the future, uh, but there is something here for us to hear about that. Last but not least, age discrimination. It's, apparently it's illegal, uh, but we're a nonprofit, so we can get away with a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, it's a thing. Like, you can't say, you're too old for this job, you're fired. Which is probably a good thing, I don't know. Uh, although it seems to me like if you're too old, I, I don't want to get into it. It doesn't matter. The, the important thing is that the scriptures do actually have a little bit of age discrimination. Um, typically, if you're in your 30s, you're probably not ready yet to bear um, the influence and the experience that's needed. You get to be a kid for a little while longer. Probably. Not everybody. Some people, old souls and all that. But here's the deal. If you're like, if you're like in the 45 plus range, and you've been a Christian for a while, and you've been at church for a while, and nobody looks up to you, you might need to get your butt in gear. You might... Because here's the deal. Peter's looking at a harassed church, a church that's, under, that's in threat. And boy, the church nowadays is under threat. Um, he's looking for people who can safely transmit, who can take it from the older generation to the next one and pass it on. That's kind of the job of people, because, you know, when you're, 
In the ancient world, you basically run out of your like, productive years about the age of 50 because you can't do as much manual labor. Um, and so once you hit that point, it's really your job to make sure that, that everything that's come before, it gets passed on. And so to protect the faith, protect the, and, and, and groom and bring up and mentor uh, the new generation. You, you take the church from here and make sure that it sees another day. If you're 45 plus and you've been a Christian for a while and you've been a disciple for a while, the shepherd's crown is yours if you help take the church in 2018 and make sure that she is safe and strong and healthy in 2068. Let's pray. Gracious God, um, I pray that um, we'll be a church of people who are committed to each other, that you'll um, foster and grow a community of, of older people who protect physically and spiritually, who, who care physically and spiritually, who lead by example. I pray that we'll be a church of heroes people that that young folks can look up to and see the race run well. The fight finished. That will transmit the faith safely and securely to the next generation and raise them up to seek you and to love you and to follow you all the days of their lives. Bless the elders of Coast Bible Church. In Jesus' name, amen.